Please call us at 1-844-777-SWAT. That's 1-844-777-7928. Um, or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Wasn't sure if I was on there for a second. Uh, yeah, like, well, oh. the music was pretty loud, Stevie. It was pretty loud there. So uh, if we can get that down. Taylor, good to have you back. Hey, and good to be in. in for Brad's a little uh, sick today. Um so, um, yeah, we've uh, jumped back into Acts 17. We're gonna we're gonna look at that, but I have to ask you a question. Being a son of a professional football player and a college football player yourself, did you watch the Alabama game? Not to get off on too many tangents, but Alabama Texas A and M. I did not see it. No. Okay. All I'm gonna do is show you a picture. Okay. It's so funny because at the end of the game, now granted, you know, football, right now people are into football. It's kind of a crazy thing. But my wife and I kind of got in this game, number one ranked Alabama playing A&M. And uh, we try not to get too political or too footballish about a particular team. But truth is truth, right? I mean, like, if you watch something and you see it, and yeah, we know everybody makes bad calls. But... I just want to show you a picture, okay? This is the last play of the game. Mm -hmm. Alabama's in red and A&M's in white. You see where the ball is. Look at the base of the scoreboard. It's about three feet away from the receiver. That was a no call with two officials watching it. Uh. (laughs) All right, now is that bad? Seriously. Some people have called that defensive hugging. Like, uh, you know, yeah. uh, I've gotten, I posted that on the uh, website because, or on Facebook because, and I don't ever do that, but I saw it. That was the play of the game. Mm-hmm. The announcers made the, the play of the game. And I thought, oh my gosh, are we so blind now <laughs> that we, even in football, like football to me has, I thought it was one of the last bastions of just people going out and. You make a call. Yeah, you make a blown call. You acknowledge it. Nobody said anything about that. Everybody said it was a great play. And even when they're showing it in slow motion replay, because it's the play of the game, you see that. That's why I snapped that picture. I, I thought, that's crazy. The ball's not even there. It's defensive pass interference. I get it. Howdy wrote me and said it's not defensive holding. It's pass <laughs> interference. Whatever. It was a terrible no call in a game where the number one team is playing a unranked team, Nick Saban is playing Jimbo Fisher. They had had massive words, and what does that have to do with the Bible and Christian worldview? Uh, I don't know, except the truth is the truth. <laughs> and whether you're an Alabama fan or not, you got to admit it, it was just – but, you know, you can learn a lot by football. You learn a lot by watching people respond to things. Um, the, the response of the players, nobody really threw a hissy fit out in the field or anything, but I just wondered if you had saw that, you know? No, I, I saw, uh, some of the Michigan game, um, saw what happened to the 
running back there or the running backs coach there. I don't know if you. Oh yeah, I heard he. Uh, were you were you watching it when that happened? Yeah. Oh, so I tuned in like right after. So while they were and talking, tell everybody about it, what happened to. Uh, yeah, uh, Mike Hart. He was a running back at Michigan for a long time. He's a running backs coach now. He had a seizure on the field, um, like seized up, had to be taken to the hospital. Um, so yeah, pretty scary thing to happen and. Uh, you know, obviously, pretty tough. But it wasn't to... Hardball, right? No, no, no. Right. It was it was Mike Hart. He was yeah, a yeah. he was a running back like uh, in the '06 era. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it was pretty crazy to see that. And then I don't know if you saw yesterday a uh, uh, Detroit Lions player collapsed on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't appear to be any head contact or anything like that. And just a, a you know a pattern of of collapses and stuff like that happening. You know, from high school on up to the professional level. Pretty crazy. Well, um, did you hear last week uh, going on to worldview and things happening in our world? That's usually, if you're just tuning in, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth, and we kind of look at the news and look at things happening. A lot of times the White House or lawmakers will drop stuff either on a Thursday late or a Friday because Mm -hmm. it's kind of the end of the week, nobody's really paying attention. Did you see that the White House made this announcement on Thursday, which was basically a blanket pardon for people who had been convicted of marijuana uh, possession? Yep. Uh, the federal crime of mere marijuana possession. So this is what he said. As I often said during my campaign, no one should be in jail for using or possessing marijuana. Okay, this is what he said. But unfortunately, he doesn't make that call. That's Congress that makes that call. And he went on to say, sending people to prison for possessing marijuana has upended too many lives, incarcerated people for conduct that many states no longer prohibit. Criminal records for marijuana possession have imposed needless barriers to employment housing. So he's saying all this. And he says, now, white, black, brown all use marijuana at similar rates, yet black and brown people have been arrested, prosecuted, and convicted at disproportionate rates. He makes that statement. And so he said three things he's going to do. He's going to pardon of all prior federal offenses of simple possession of marijuana. Second, he's going to urge governors to do the same thing. And third, he's going to ask Health and Human Services um, and the attorney general to initiate to, uh, the the review process for how it's scheduled under the law. Now, why is that a big deal? Uh, well, it's a big deal because it's still against the law. I mean, he as president can pardon, he can pardon people, but I think that's a gross abuse of power to do what he just did because he's basically saying this law I don't agree with, so I'm just doing away with it. And that's Congress's responsibility. We, if, if we have a failure of the three branches to do what they're designed to do and to cooperate within those uh, designs, we're going to cease to exist. I mean. Yeah, and I would say that, you know, there, there's been a failure, a breakdown for quite some time in all three of the branches. Um, and then, you know, if you're talking about the power that's been, uh, I guess, hoarded into the executive that's something that's been going on it, it just generally uh most presidents haven't wanted to make as overt of a show of mm-hmm. how much power has been vested in the president which is not you know how it was originally uh, intended to be but 
uh, yeah, as we start to see more and more societal decay and decline, we're going to see those institutions, uh, I believe, uh, break down further and further. And you're going to start to see, you know, one institution rise up um, in power over the others. Um, Yeah, just I mean, I'm not a prophet or anything. So, you know, don't don't, I, I might be wrong, but I'm just saying that's the track that it appears that we're going. And if you look at history, that that's happened before. Well, one of the things that comes typically with a pardon, at least in the Bible, is admission of guilt. Mm. I mean, and, um, you know, I don't, when somebody's pardoned, it's a very, it's an act of God's grace to pardon us as believers. But, you know, I don't see anybody in scripture that is pardoned that is not uh, contrite. Mm. Do you? Do you see any prideful people that are hmm. extended, you know? Um, so I, I think th- there's going to be a lot of things that come out of this. And, uh, you know, one guy said, yeah, it was conveniently timed right before next month. What I think something's happening next month politically, right? <laughs> I think there's an election or something. Um, so I don't know. I just thought that was interesting, and it was kind of quiet. I didn't hear it. Did you hear anything about it, really, a lot of news talk uh, about it? I don't know how much was focused on it, uh, but I did hear about it, so I don't know how, how extensively it was covered um, you know, nationally and stuff. But yeah. Well, and the National Institute of Drug Abuse just released study, a study on the dangers of marijuana use. Mm. So it's almost like they don't care. We're, we're going to normalize it anyway, you know. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, I guess advocacy for marijuana that says, you know, it's it, there is no danger to it, there is no harm, but, uh, you know, studies have borne out that that's not the case. Um, you know, marijuana usage at a young age uh, leads to um, higher rates of, you know, psychic breakdowns and stuff like that. So I, there is uh, danger to it that people are just want to say, well, no, there, there's you can't get addicted to it. There's nothing you know, addictive about it. It it should be legal. Alcohol is worse and stuff like that. Well, yeah, and the normalization of it, what what experts are saying is, as our leaders have normalized it, basically they think it's harmless, and it's not a harmless item. It's Mm -hmm. not a harmless thing. It's a gateway for a lot of people, too. It is a gateway. And even though it may not have the physical addictive things in it, like some of the harder drugs, it leads to those other mm-hmm. other things so anyway i just thought we need to pray for our country two other quick prayer requests mark hollingshead our brother from swat at the beach is still recovering over in germany mm-hmm. from a bicycle accident he is in pre- he's still in icu so pray for him and our brother jerry sinclair who has been on this program uh guest hosting some he is still in a health battle right now so pray for jerry and his wife so keep them brothers lifted up all right. Yeah, make sure you do that. Stick with us. We'll be back with more after the break. Before we go, we'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Ace Door and Window, as well as a special thanks to our sponsors, Tom Neal Trucking and Jeff Andrews of Highway to Eternity Ministries. If you would like to sponsor the program, please email us at Doug at SWATradio.com. That's Doug, D-O-U-G, at SWATradio.com. There's the music, man. <laughs> you can also download our SWAT app in the App Store, and you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. At SWAT Radio Talk is the handle. That is at SWAT Radio Talk. You are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. 
If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. David Crowder with All My Hope. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. And if you are just joining us, we are looking at Acts chapter 17 this week, verses 1 through 15. I'm going to be going a little bit of review and then hopping into uh, the the selection. Yeah, we uh, have finally getting to Acts 17. We've been reviewing then we had the hurricane and and so last week at SWAT we finally jumped back into this great this is a great uh chapter in the bible really it's uh really phenomenal when you stop and think about it because it's where Paul and Silas go into Thessalonica and uh, they go into Berea and then Athens and Athens was really the center of the universe culturally when you stop and think. As as powerful as Rome was, Rome adopted a lot of the cultural aspects of of Athens. In fact, Athens is kind of seen as the birthplace of Western civilization. And so this is a huge chapter. Um, And I'm going to probably share this this week. Abraham Lincoln said that Paul's message in Acts 17 – is one of the greatest speeches of all time. Mm. And it's not a speech. It was it was God's word being exposited to these people. But just as a quick review, you know, we're, we're on the second missionary journey. Paul is now with Silas because, remember, the first one, Paul took Barnabas, and they went out. They went to Cyprus and to other cities, Lystra, Derby. And they planted churches there, came back. People were upset because the pagans weren't being circumcised. They weren't being forced into the Jewish traditions of the temple worship because we are the temple. And Paul was teaching them what Christ taught, that there's no longer a need for sacrifice anymore. There's no longer a need 
to go to a temple to see God. We are the temple of God. And so there were some Judaizers and people from Jerusalem that were making a big stink over these pagans coming in, and they had the big meeting in Acts chapter 15. And after that meeting, James, who was kind of the leader, James, the brother of Jesus, was the leader of the church there, sent a letter back with them to Antioch to say, hey, it's okay. They just will abide by these four things, which were really sensitivity issues in sharing the gospel. They weren't conditional issues for salvation because there are none. Basically, the only thing we need for salvation is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so um, after that letter went back with them, Paul says, hey, let's go uh, visit the churches we went you know, the believers we were able to see come to Christ. And when they start to go, Barnabas said, let's take John Mark. Paul says, no, I don't think so. They got into a disagreement. Paul ends up taking Silas, Timothy, and picking up Luke on this second journey while Barnabas took John Mark and they went to Cyprus. But it's it's interesting, while Paul was... um, going on this journey he started off solo he picked up silas in jerusalem and then eventually timothy and lystra and and luke along the way Uh, he wanted to go to asia and god said no god gave him a vision of a macedonian man crying uh, out for help and remember um the he went to philippi which was classical greek culture i mean this is his entry into the greek world And he ends up planning a church there. Remember, he meets an entrepreneurial businesswoman. He uh, ends up casting a demon out. He gets arrested with Silas. They get beaten, thrown into jail. They praise God in the middle of the jail time. Uh, Earthquake came. They're released. The military jailer there ends up um, coming to Christ. He's going to take his life. And Paul says, no, we're all here. And um, Paul leads him and his family to Christ. And all of a sudden now... There's a church in Philippi in Europe. It's the first church in Europe, and Paul continues moving towards Rome. And in chapter 17, where we're going to look at today, it's really can be characterized by 17 verse 6. The people in Thessalonica said, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Now, Philippi was about 60 to 100 miles from Thessalonica. And so it wasn't like they had the Canaanite news network back then, right? Uh, CNN, you know what that is, right? <laughs> they didn't have that. They they just had word of mouth that would travel usually when people move from place to place. But word had spread to Thessalonica about Paul and uh, Silas and their team of people turning the city upside down. Why, why did they say that? Well, remember the demonic priestess that was cast out? And remember the rulers who beat Paul unjustly? And and so there were things that were happening, and they, they probably had never seen anybody be beaten that didn't have to be beaten. They could have asserted their rights. And so these men turned the city upside down. They, they were men of impact. And that's really what we're looking at this week. What, what does it mean to have an impact? as God's kingdom priest in the world. When we look at Paul and we look at Silas, we see men who had an impact. But they're not the only ones. There are others in the Bible 
But I want to look at four things this week that um, we get from the text about having an impact. If we want to have an impact in our world, we have to live boldly. We have to speak biblically. We have to share inclusively. In other words, as we serve the one true living God and we share the gospel with people, we don't get to pick who comes into God's kingdom. He makes that call. So we should be sharing inclusively with everyone. We'll talk about that. And finally, we suffer trustingly. These principles, if they are in our life, will produce impact. They can't help but produce impact. And so remember Thessalonica was the capital of Macedonia. It was mostly Greek, but there were Jews there. And so Paul goes in there. Uh, that's how he, he leaves Philippi. He goes through two other cities. He just spends a night there. He, it doesn't say anything about any ministry there. Then he starts in Thessalonica, then goes to Berea, and then Athens. And we're going to look at Thessalonica and Berea this week. And, and actually, we'll look at them each every day with each principle because we see these principles lived out in both places. So remember, here they are again. If you want to have an impact as God's kingdom priest, he calls us to live boldly, to speak biblically, to share inclusively, and to suffer trustingly. And we will look at that in the text. We'll make some other observations about the text, but we'll also answer the question, how? How do we do that? You know, don't you like it when you're told to do something like, say, playing football, and and the coach shows you how to do it. It's not just telling you to do it, but he shows you how. I always like that when they would give you techniques or they were help us. So we're going to look at that today. So I'm going to have you read, Taylor, all 15 verses. And um, as you read it, um, just go through 1 through 15, and we'll come back and we'll kind of take each one of these. And uh, you got it, man. All right. Now when they had... Passed through Amphipolis, Amphipolis. Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and providing that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. And the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they ha- could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money money as a security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them believed, therefore believed, with not a few Greek women in a high standing as well as men. 
And when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Now Paul was waiting for them at Athens. His spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. I went too far. That was that's, 16. That, that's all right. You got in, you're got you already <laughs> pumping into this week, so uh, that's all right. Because um, really, he was waiting for them in Athens, but he had to get out of town because, one, a couple of reasons. Jason had put up a security deposit for him in Thessalonica. Um, but notice what it says first about Paul. He went in, as was his custom, to the synagogue. What happened in all the synagogues he went into prior to this, good or bad? Mm. Mm. Didn't, didn't work out yeah. too well for him, did it? Yeah. Have you ever done something and had people reject you? And you say, okay, I'll just go somewhere else. I mean, that's what most of us do. Mm-hmm. To keep going back, knowing it's difficult, it, it it would be very difficult. I think of my friend, Rick, who is uh, serving among Muslims. 25 years, no converts. Mm. Just to keep going back, dealing with the rejection or other people. There's lots of people that have to deal with that on the mission field. But Paul, he was bold. So he, he went three Sabbaths to this place, right? And so if there was a synagogue there, what did it mean? There were Jews there. In fact, I just found out the other day, Taylor, that up until I think the 1800s, about 50% of Athens was Jewish. Really? It's pretty surprising when you stop huh. and think about mm-hmm. it. So uh, when we come back, I want to look at this whole idea of what it means to live boldly. Because what the Bible says about it, what we see in Paul, and how we can live boldly as God's priest. All right, so stick with us. We will be back with more after the news. We'd like to give a shout-out to our listeners listening in Virginia at the Lighthouse, as well as in Meridian, Mississippi, listening on WMER and the news station. I don't... Yeah, WMOX. And WMOX, who came on after yeah, I... Yeah, yeah, that's all right, yeah. WMOX. So we would like to give a shout-out to you guys as well. All right, you are listening to SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We will be back with more after the news. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. That was Chain Breaker by Zach Williams. Almost forgot, but I remembered. If man, you you get out of the sink, man, <laughs> you get away, you get out of it. Yeah. Hey, you know, you're gone it's for a few months. It's, stuff yeah. happens. You get a little rusty. Well, it, it couldn't be. Uh, speaking of which, how's your babies doing? Oh, they're great. Yeah, my uh, 
my daughter is going to be two in October, uh, so coming up in a couple weeks, and then my son will be two months uh, in two days. So That's yeah, it's uh, pretty cool. That is cool, but yeah. it takes takes oh, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it takes time. Well, uh, you know, we are uh, looking at this idea of living boldly. You and I have had numerous discussions about this issue. In fact, I was talking to a guy last week. And he said, the problem with our country is we don't have a lot of men. Now, he mm. wasn't talking about people with male DNA. Mm. He was talking about the people that Paul even, when he says, act like men. Even in the Old Testament, there's an admonition to act like a man. Mm-hmm. And that that is, it, first of all, it doesn't go over very well in our culture today to even talk like that. Yeah. It seems, uh, in fact, I don't know, somebody sent, I'll see if I can find it on the next break. Um, something from the Babylon Bee about like, you know, it was just it was making a joke out of the whole manhood thing. But I think people really want men around, men, uh, you know, men who are sold out to the Lord, men who are serving the Lord. Those are the bold men. Now, like you think about the impact people in the Bible. I think about King David. Here he was a teenager. He goes strolling up into the camp doing what his dad told him to do to bring food to his brothers. And he sees the king of Israel who's supposed to be the leader leading everybody in boldness, Mm -hmm. cowering under the weight of Goliath's challenge. And his brother's doing the same thing. And what does he do? He goes up there and he says, Hey, we can take this guy because it's not us; it's God. He's he asserts what we should be asserting that our God can do anything. Our God is the God of all creation, and you know if you go to First Samuel seventeen, you can read about it there. In fact, I want to read First Samuel real quick. Listen, listen to what this is. Not you see. We, a lot of times when we read this kind of stuff in the Bible, we just read it like it's some fairy tale. This really happened, mm-hmm. and David was a real guy, um, and this story has been thro- told over and over throughout the history of Israel. But I think they even for- <laughs> forget about it. Excuse me. But listen to what verse 16 or 26 says. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away? Even to ask the question, like, yeah. like what you know, what's going to happen if I do this, uh, and and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him so, in the same way: So shall it be done to the man who kills him? And they tell him what he's going to do, and. Eliab, his older brother, heard him when he spoke like this, and he was really encouraging to his younger brother, <laughs> wasn't he? No. It says his anger burned. And that's what happens a lot of times. When we assert boldness in the name of the Lord, it makes people who are cowering angry. Because deep inside, if they're if they're God's people, they know mm-hmm. they should be asserting the power and the name of the one true living God. You know, and David wasn't the only one. I think of Elijah with the prophets of Baal. 
Like, you know, he goes out there and he actually taunts him. I think it's, hey, is he using the bathroom or something? Your God using the bathroom Mm -hmm. right now? He is so bold with them. Or Jeremiah, who tells the king, you know, what's going to happen. And the king didn't like it, but he kept telling him because God wanted him to. Or Peter, when he says, listen, we know you said this, but we got to do what God says. Where is that boldness gone in our world? Um, there's John MacArthur said there's people in the world who watch. There's people in the world who do. And there's people in the world that do nothing. <laughs> and I, I, I really, when I think of our church today in this country, I think we have a lot of watchers. And I can't remember what great coach. It may have been Lou Holtz who talked about you got 22 people on the field uh, and 22,000 up in the stands who need to be doing what those 22 on the field are doing, but they don't. Mm. They live their life through those people on the field. Uh, basically, that's a paraphrase of it. But that happens in church too. You've got all these people who come to church each week, and there's a handful, less than 10%, who are actually doing the kingdom work that needs to be done. And everybody kind of lives vicariously through them. But we got to live boldly. And and Deuteronomy 31 says this, Be strong and courageous. Don't fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. You know, it's one thing for me and you to say that here or say it in a church gathering on a Sunday. But man, out in the world, it's hard, isn't it? Mm-hmm. When you got people that threaten your four hundred one k or your job, or whatever, and it's hard to be bold. But we are called to do that. Uh, if if we are His, then we will be bold, because He says in Proverbs twenty eight, "The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as what is a lion." And so we are to live boldly. If we really want to turn the world upside down like they did, if we want to have an impact, we've got to do that. So the question comes to us, Taylor, how do we do that? How do we do that? I think it's pretty simple, actually. We know God. We really know him. We don't just talk about knowing him, but we know him. Uh, Go to Psalm 27 real quick. We can't just profess knowledge of God. We have to really know him and then Put that knowledge of knowing him into practice by obeying him. And 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 if you don't know God, you're not going to be bold. And by knowing him, I don't mean know about him. I mean really know him. You know how good he is. You know how faithful he is. And you know what he's called us to do. Read Psalm 27, man. All right. The, all, Just go through it, all right. man. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Wait, now stop right there. He's talked about boldness before, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have to fear anybody. But he's telling us how he got it right here. He says, the one thing I want is what? To dwell in his house. 
God, I want to be with him. Keep reading. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to in, to inquire in his temple. And he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. And have said, Seek my face. My heart says to you, Your face, Lord, do I seek. Yeah, he says, You have said, Seek my face. And my heart says, Lord, your face do I seek. He's saying that I'm seeking you. It makes me think of Matthew six thirty three, where right before he tells the disciples, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things I will uh, mm-hmm. take care of. You don't have to worry. We spend so much time worrying, worrying about what we're going to eat or what the economy is going to do or what the, you know, uh, the stock market's going to do. We just need to seek God. We need to seek him first and and know him. We have to know him. If we know him, we're going to be bold. And that's what David is saying here. Skip on down to verse 13. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So when you hear that, what do you think David is is singing there when he says that last part, wait for the Lord? Have faith. And, you know, I, well, I'm thinking like on a battlefield, right? Like you would want to go and get the enemy, but wait on the Lord to have faith. Yeah, you, you think know. when David went up a Goliath, he was looking at his own strength. <laughs> that you think he was even, – even Saul says, take my armor. Well, like who, who had the best armor there? You know Saul did, right? Mm-hmm. But David – said this ain't i don't need this this ain't this is weighing me down and didn't he say this is untested too uh, uh, yeah it's untested like it's kind of a dig at the king um and so when you when you think about uh david's strength uh, psalm 33 i know we're about to go to break but psalm 33 says the king is not saved by his great army nor the warrior is not delivered by his great strength. Uh, the war horse is a false hope for salvation, and by its great might it cannot rescue. The, behold, the lie, eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. See, if you know God, you're going to know his love for you, and you're going to feel the security of that love. So that when you walk out into the world against the things that you have to encounter as his priest, um, you don't have to fear. You live boldly. Uh, so that's why Paul could go back into the synagogues. Notice he went into the synagogues there in verse uh, 2 or verse 1. And he also down in verse 10, when he's at Berea, he goes into the synagogues, even though he got rejection after rejection after rejection, because Paul and Silas were men of impact. They were bold, and they were bold because they knew God. And so, um, you know, I, I I don't know how it can be said any plainer. That's how you live boldly. You it know God. true. Difficult times have a way. And we encourage you to contact. Steve? 
Christian teaching and talk on WTRJ, the truth. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. We're having a little bit of a... Uh, <laughs> We're having some uh, technical difficulties today, but that's okay. Uh, we yeah. are a live program. And that that's, lets you know that we're live. And that's what you get, yeah. <laughs> so welcome back to SWAT Radio. We're going over Acts chapter 17, verses 1 through 15. If you would like to call and join the discussion, you have any questions uh, or anything like that, you can do so at one eight four four triple seven swat That's one eight four four seven 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 nine two eight. Or you can email us at ask at SWATradio.com. That's ask, A-S-K, at SWATradio.com. Well, one of my uh, good friends and brothers in the Lord is a guy named John Monger. We've had him on here. We've talked about him. Um, I don't know if you remember his story about mm-hmm. being in Bhutan. He said that when he was in jail, for those new listeners out there, John was uh, a Bhutanese man whose parents divorced. He came to faith in Christ. God brought him into the kingdom. He starts sharing with his family. He's at a Christmas party, uh, only a year old in the Lord, and he's thrown into jail for proselytizing. And uh, he's in jail for three months, beaten every day, and then exiled to India. I'm sorry, Nepal. He's exiled to Nepal, where he's part of a refugee camp over there. And he's proselytizing there, and he's thrown in jail there. He's in jail there, 15 months, beaten every day. And they tell him in both places, the only thing you have to do to be released is renounce Jesus. Just deny him and you can be free. And he wouldn't do it. And one day I asked him why he didn't lie because one of the SWAT guys said, why didn't he lie? So I said, I'll ask him. And he said he might be the only witness the jailer ever sees. And Mm -hmm. he goes, how can I deny him? But he said this passage in Matthew was really important to him during that time. And it's really all he could think about as he was going through the beatings and the suffering in jail uh, was Matthew ten thirty three that says, whoever denies me before men, I will deny before my father is in heaven. And Jesus said in Matthew ten twenty eight, don't fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. And, you know, you look at our lives and our culture. M- most people in America right now at this moment don't fear somebody coming and locking them up for their proselytizing as far as like sharing their faith. Now, we know that people have been arrested for... Uh, protesting in an abortion clinic or trying to pray with people in an abortion clinic. Under our current administration, that seems to be okay. Um, but these these men were ministering in Pennsylvania, and I, I think, think, think they Tennessee, as Tennessee well. and mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, and they got arrested by FBI agents. I mean, mm-hmm. I was an FBI agent. You arrest people for terrorism. That what. I read about these cases. These these mm-hmm. guys were either praying. One of them was defending his son, apparently, mm-hmm. and they were arrested. 
but they still weren't arrested for just telling people about Jesus like my friend John or like the apostles were. And, you know, when you think about our culture, the the more debased it gets, the more at risk you are going to be uh, of being canceled either on social media, at your job, it could have a financial impact for you to speak truth as it relates to men and women getting married. I know up in Canada they have had people lose their jobs because they said a man should be married to a woman. That's the design of the creator of the universe. That was what they said, and they lost their job. Over in England, the same thing. A chaplain, a chaplain who represents the Church of England was fired from a school over there Mm. because he made that assertion. So um, it, it is going to continue to be more and more hostile to people who speak the truth. So if we're going to be warriors for the truth, which is what our name implies, and our one of our core values is God's word is our authority and starting point. So for us to live boldly, we have to know God. And I think it's in Revelation it talks about cowards are not going to inherit mm-hmm. the kingdom of God because there's no faith there. What makes somebody bold? Faith. Trust. And you see the church caving, and by the church, I mean the universal church, caving here in this country on a lot of issues right now as it regards to social, cultural issues. We're afraid to speak the truth, and in the name of love, we affirm delusions. That's not loving to anybody. You know, you can be loving to somebody without affirming their sin. Jesus never, ever, ever affirmed anybody's sinful acts. Yeah, and it if to underline the scope of the problem, there's the denomination I, I forgot. This was two weeks ago in the news is now trying to kick out people who do not affirm homosexual marriage and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So this denomination went soft on that, and then those people took over and are now saying, "Oh, if you want to follow the Bible for real, get out of our denomination." Yeah. Like, so the church is, yeah, it's it's split uh, to say the least. Well, it, and the schism is going to grow greater mm-hmm. because. there's no boldness there's no boldness which is the whole topic today to live boldly uh and you know we we've got about seven or eight minutes if if you want to call in on this issue and either just no calls about the alabama call okay that was (laughs) that was long gone ago uh really about if you got any thoughts about the bold thing living boldly or or um or in, maybe maybe that you've known somebody that has lived boldly and you want to share. I, I just think of my buddy John Munger. I can't imagine being beaten every day and being told all you got to do to stop the beatings is just deny Jesus. Mm. It's one thing to talk about that. It's another to live it. He lived it. And so uh, he has had a great impact, too. He's been invited to speak at uh, Texas Prayer Breakfast out there. Uh, he's been invited to speak in numerous places. I've had him share. I, I mean, he's probably impacted my life as much as anybody for the kingdom. Just witnessing his response, and I don't know a more grateful human being in the world than John. Mm. You know, so um, his his life has been a bold life, and I mean, he, even in Austin, Texas, where he lives, he's had several 
outreaches where he just boldly will go preach. He'll just open it, go out, open air, preach there, mm. you know. Don't see a lot of that happening today. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I was going to say, especially in Austin, right? I mean, yeah. Austin is. Uh, Austin's known for weird. Man. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's awesome. And it's, a, you know, a good reminder and encouragement to us. But also, you know, um, I, I would say, I don't want to say a warning, but, like, you need to be ready, mm-hmm. you know, for something like that. I mean, it seems far out right now, but I, I, regardless of how close or far it is for us to experience persecution like that like that's the type of conviction that you need to have to to be a christian and you know to be a man like that's how you have to live your life in a way that you know hey this is the truth i'll take the beating right yes um and again uh in the bible you know uh there there are you know first corinthians 16 paul says act like men mm-hmm what does that mean? Why would he have to say that? Well, Corinth was probably a place a lot like America today. Um, and so, you know, but but did you know, uh, let me go back to this passage too. You know, a lot of people don't spend uh, a lot of time in the Old Testament. In fact, pastors have even said we don't have to, but it's really. Uh, uh, but listen, um, when uh, I think I read I read Deuteronomy thirty one six a while ago. He says, "Be strong." But in seven, it says, "Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, be strong and courageous, for you shall go with his people into the land that the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it." Now, when you read a verse like that, see if you take it out of context, you don't get the full weight of what's happening. But imagine a leader like Moses passing you the mantle. Hmm. He can't go into the land where you got to go conquer. I think they conquered like something like 300 leaders or something. And think about the, the magnitude of where they're coming from out of captivity. They've been wandering for 40 years in the desert. Okay, now you're going to take them in. I mean, and he says, oh, yeah, by the way, be strong and courageous. <laughs> You think there was a pucker factor there yeah, for uh, yeah. for for uh, Joshua? Yeah, I would. Oh, I mean, I know there would be for me. Yeah, and it's um, you know, to be given that mantle of responsibility, right? That's that can be a, an intimidating thing. And then uh, you know, he gets the reminder though that the the Lord is his God, and he'll go before him. And um, I I think that's something that when you're faced with something like that, I would imagine that that reassurance is what you got to hold to in those times of weakness and doubt and when the pucker factor factor uh, gets for real right well yeah and if you know god if you are his and you know him peter says you're going to be holy because he's holy mm-hmm. right and and what that means is set apart it means um you're going to be set apart and so often we're just like the world I mean, we, we don't look any different in our spending habits, our time habits, our living habits. And uh, to be a, a bold man, to live boldly means that you live a holy life, a sincere life. You know, when, when we are men who say we're going to do something, we do something. We act like men. We're men who put God on display in our world around us. And, and David... 
Elijah, Jeremiah, Peter, Paul, we lift them up sometimes as these superhuman guys. The only thing that made them superhuman is they knew God and they let God use them in a mighty way. But they were flawed men too, Mm -hmm. every one of them. Not not one of those guys I mentioned didn't have a flaw. And the humanity of those guys gives me hope that he can use me. And if you're out there, he can use you. Um, So I hope that uh, you leave here today not feeling discouraged about being bold or living bold. But go to Psalm 27. Meditate on that. The Lord is my light. Whom shall I fear? He's my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? You know, know God and ask him to help make you more bold. I hope I hope that has been an encouraging thought for you as we work through 17. Tomorrow we're going to look at this idea of what does it mean to speak biblically. As men of impact, we have to speak biblical truth. The world's truth pales. It, it doesn't hold water. It's not that the world can't tell you things. Uh, the Bible, oh, speaks to everything spiritually we need to know and things that God wants us to communicate to others. So I hope you'll tune in with us tomorrow. So, Yeah, well, it's been uh, great to be on today. Make sure you tune in tomorrow. We're so happy you've been listening to SWAT Radio. If you missed any of this program or would like to listen to past programs, please visit us at www.swatradio.com. That's www.swatradio.com. Or you can listen to our podcast by searching SWAT Radio. And you can also download uh, our SWAT app in the App Store. Join us weekdays at 3 o'clock for more. We will see you then. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you have a great day. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT radio is strengthening 